San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, good everybody. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. If you download the app for 760 KFMB or tune in radio, you can hear the show as it airs on any device. And, of course, all the podcasts are commercial-free on IYMoney.com. Now time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire, accomplished marathon runner, best-selling author, a lecturer, a philanthropist, and a family office expert advising several high-net-worth families. His name is Richard Musio. Richard, good evening. How are you tonight? Doing marvelous, Joe. Fantastic. Time for another great show with one of our sponsors. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, just on a, on a note, condolences to the, to the fa- friends and family of Taylor Watts, the musician in Pacific Beach, um, uh, Sadly, he he fell off the, well, I don't know if he was playing or jumped off the pier or whatever, but the, he went off Crystal Pier, I believe, the end of January, and it, I was just puzzled why they couldn't find his body. It for, took forever. Uh, yeah, I thought it'd be like two, three days, right. and it would be, uh, you know, maybe a half a mile north or south. Turns out, uh, you know, it was two and a half miles off the coast of La Jolla, about 10 miles north, and it took almost three weeks, so... That is just testament to the power of the ocean, folks. And don't mess around out there, especially when waters are rough. And don't be out there at night, for gosh sake. Rich, you remember years ago when we, we had a huge storm and a couple, I think they were visiting from out of town. They went on that walk mm-hmm. out by the children's pool. Right. And they, hit by a wave, I guess. Yeah, both. And I think they were yeah. newlyweds. Both, gone, both right. of them. So, uh, I mean, don't, don't, tempt, uh, don't screw with Mother Nature. That's all I got to say about that. Anyway, Richard, some great movies out there. I know the Oscars are a few weeks away, but uh, gosh, I saw <laughs> I saw I, Tanya the other night, and you've seen it too, right? Yeah, and Lady Bird's a good one too. Yeah. Boy, I, Tanya, folks, uh, you'll have a whole different opinion of Tanya Harding. Remember, the, the, uh, of course, they're releasing it during the, the Olympics, which is a pretty good marketing on their part. But, uh, boy, Tanya Harding, uh, boy, talk about growing up on the wrong side of the tracks. <laughs> And I didn't remember that she smoked cigarettes. Uh, I guess Craig mentioned before the show, Craig Blanke was in here for a bit. And Do you remember that, Richard, at all, her smoking? Yeah, I knew that. Okay. There was a good, <laughs> there was a good documentary at ESPN 30 for 30 about her. I just bought that. I saw that the other day, yeah. and there's another one, too. But, uh, yeah, her mother was a piece of work. But, folks, the acting is phenomenal. I don't know how these judges pick the, you know, how you can vote for best actress. Uh, you know, you've got Meryl Streep in the post, and you've got uh, Lady Bird, which is phenomenal. But, Anyway, good luck to everybody entered, and let's get on with the show. What do you say? Let's do it. All right. So we are. We we'll ha- skate right into it. Yes. We have the pleasure of having a sponsor with us tonight who's been with us before, and he is the head of Hearthstone Private Wealth Management, also senior safe and sound. His name is Paul Hines. Paul, welcome back to our show. Great to be here, Joe. Yeah. Richard. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Boy. So, Paul, how come the market crashed? I'm just well, wait a minute. Let's, <laughs> I'm just for the benefit of our listeners, we should give a little... A little one or two minute bio on Paul's background. Why, so, why is my four hundred one k now a two hundred one k? All of a sudden, go ahead. I'm wait a minute, Richard. Let's get into the bio of Paul just for the benefit of our listeners. Born and raised where? Educated where? And then a little bit about your career, uh, real quickly, Paul. Sure. Born and raised in a small town called Situate, Massachusetts, ah. about twenty miles southeast southeast of Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, moved here in nineteen eighty three. Is that anywhere near Brockton, by the way? Or very close to Brockton? Yes. Where Rocky Marciano was born, yeah. Richard. Wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and it started in the industry in 1984. Spent 22 years with a, one of those large firms that have the name on the top of the tall buildings. 
We won't mention we that. We won't mention that name. <laughs> okay. And 12 years ago, started Hearthstone. It's an independent registered investment advisory firm. Uh, we act as fiduciaries for our clients. We don't sell products, don't receive commissions. It's just pure advice, and, and we can be objective about it. Wow. Well, how you, you I mean, how are you um, compensated then? We're compensated. Our clients pay us directly. They pay us a fee for our services. How about that? Boy, that's a unique model. Isn't huh? it? Yeah. <laughs> but is, isn't the profession moving in that direction finally? You know, you'd like to think so, or I would, so, I would but it like really, to think it really so. is not moving in that direction. The, Interesting. The, the bigger banks have such powerful lobbies. Okay. Yeah. And, and where'd you go to school, Paul? Did you mention I University of Virginia? Okay, UVA. Wonderful. Hey, number the one Cavalier. in the number one in the nation. Wait a minute, Richard will know in the college ni- basketball. The nickname of the team, Richard the Cavalier. Okay, he knows yeah. everyone in the country. I know everyone in the country. <laughs> number one in the nation, first time since Ralph Sampson's day. That's right. That's pretty cool. 1982. Really? Yeah. yeah. How about that? Yeah. I stood okay. next to Ralph Sampson when we were in college together. Did you hurt your neck? <laughs> I was staring right into his solar plexus. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was seven foot, right? He was seven four. He was seven four. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> How was his pro career? Did he do pretty well in the pros? He, he was a rookie of the year in the pros and had a great career. Made right. the NBA Finals in his second or third year. Did, yep. he ever, did he ever get a ring? No, they lost to the Celtics in the finals, and then he actually didn't play as long as he wanted because about. Fifth or sixth year, he had a couple of knee injuries. Yeah. And yeah. that really um, slowed him down. That happens. Look at our friend Bill Walton, about 36 mm-hmm. injury, uh, uh, surgeries on his hip, knees, and ankles and everything. Yep. So uh, uh, height's a wonderful thing to have, but it can if you're going to be torquing it, playing basketball, uh, you know, you're probably going to have some injuries. But anyway, Paul... Um, where do we want to start? Where uh, I mean, there's so much. The market, the, the market. Uh, Let's start with the market. It's so hectic. since we're all a lot poorer than we were a week and a half ago. <laughs> How could that be? It's still twenty four thousand or something, right? I, I sense a little hyperbole going on here. Yeah, I know. So well, what happened? The computer's messed up, right? Yeah, you know, there's actually no single great reason for why the markets drop. Mm-hmm. They, they just do. And right. what, the, the unusual thing is, in 2017, they didn't. So it's very unusual to have 12 straight months of up markets. Right. Um, no, very little volatility. That's the unusual part. What happened this year so far is not unusual. Well, don't they have these circuit breakers, which I think uh, prevent the market? I mean, it will, the market will shut down at some point, right, and, and uh, give people a chance to collect, <laughs> collect their thoughts. And, yeah, the pause that refreshes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we talked about this with Alex Sunken, too, that um, – a lot of the tra- it's, it's all on autopilot now, pretty much, right? So, is, are, is it these computers battling each other, or the, as opposed to the? I mean, where are the humans figure in on all of this, Paul? Well, eventually the humans have to come into play, but there are a lot of trading. There's a lot of trading that takes place automatically through computers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, a great bulk of it. Uh, right. and you have these. You have these quant investing firms now that are. It's all about algorithms and things like the things we don't understand. Right. <laughs> So to put it in perspective, when I started in the industry in 1984, the Dow Jones was 1,200. Mm-hmm. So a 4% change in the index would be 50 points. Right. In, in 1987, when we had that one-day crash on a Monday. That was the day after I got married. The, the, the Dow Jones was at 2,500. So 4% change would be 100, 100 points. Yeah. And that day on Monday, it dropped 500 points, which was 22%. Right. Now the mark the Dow Jones is at twenty five thousand, so a four percent change is a thousand points. Right. So yeah. if you think about it in percentage terms, it's not really that unusual to have a thousand point shift in the market. Right. Because yeah. it's four percent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, there are some policies. Everyone, you, you know, the the new income tax plan. Uh, 
fueled the market for a few days there. And then what's going on? Are people concerned about the debt now? Or, or, or are people just taking profit? That, it could be any of those things. I think what people are pointing to right now is the rise in interest rates. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 10-year bond went from about 2.4 to 2.8 yep. in a very short period of time. Is that ha- how? Is that a- that's still normal? Okay. Uh, the ten-year Treasury bond should be around three and a half to four percent. That would that would be a normal rate for the ten-year Treasury. So it's still low compared to the to historical norms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and on average, you know, the Dow Jones does drop two percent approximately eight times a year, five percent three times a year, and ten percent once a year. Sure, it's got to fluctuate. Average, right? I mean, I always tell people what goes up must come down, and you know, and and of course, what goes down must come up, but. The problem is, is when the economy grinds to a halt and the velocity of money slows down and, you know, people are scrambling out there. And, and of course, does anyone talk about the, in, you know, in, uh, um, inequality of income, too? Because I, mean, I think, look, if, if corporations would understand that if we would, would uh, bolster consumers, those are, the one, those are the ones that buy the products and those are the ones that keep your stock prices up. But uh, if everyone's debt is going up, then obviously – you know, the spending is going to be impacted negatively, right? I mean, isn't that, that just... Well, a- rising interest rates, I think, are the real potential yeah. challenge because to the extent that interest rates rise and companies have to pay more to service their debt, mm-hmm. obviously that has an effect on profits that's not at all positive. But but, but on the other hand, didn't corporations just get a 14% tax break and, and uh, with... with that, that's uh, assuming they were paying any income tax to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're trying to repatriate cash too, I, I assume, right? Is that... Is that I, I mean, anyway, we got we to gotta take a break. We'll be back with Paul Hines. Break time. Hearthstone, Hearthstone Management right after this. Hang on. All right, we're back with Paul Hines. One of our favorite sponsors here uh, with Hearthstone Management and also Senior Safe but, and Sound. But can, can we finish that thought, though? Which thought? About rising interest rates. Because what's really concer- disconcerting to me is that when the government increases borrowing while simultaneously putting out tax cuts, um, it's sort of like, um, well, when we had, you know, Reaganomics, mm-hmm. which didn't work. Mm-hmm. Trickle and, down. And trickle down. And then... And then the, the danger is is that our debt to GDP is going to be, well, it's already, I guess, poor in terms of a ratio, but it's projected to just get worse and worse and worse over the next decade. Although people f- tend to forget uh, President Reagan raised taxes six times also. Well, he had to after he cut him so low. There was yeah. nowhere else to go but up. Mm-hmm. I know a yeah. lot of that money went into the defense sector, but I mean, mm-hmm. at least it, it did stimulate the economy in some capacity. Um, but, the, but the tax cut itself didn't. Mm-hmm. Well, we had David Stockman on. Um, Marshall, yes, remember, who, correct. Who was his budget director? Correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. Fascinating author mm-hmm. about that that whole history, and it's like we're repeating it. He resigned. It's, it's just there's more zeros at the end. <laughs> Stockman was up. He resigned office management and budget, right? Or else he got fired by Reagan. I forget. Well, yeah. it depends on who you talk to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's very true. Like Colin, uh, Secretary of State Colin Powell, everyone thinks he resigned, but actually he was let go. I I got the inside scoop yeah. on that. But anyway. Um, well, Paul, you have any thoughts on, on, on what Richard was talking about? It's, it's hard for pol- politicians to um, stop spending money because they're trying to please their constituents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I do like the concept of, of infrastructure. Uh, we certainly do need it in this country. Um, you know, look at San Diego alone. I mean, our streets and sewers and whatever. Uh, although I got to say Pacific Beach, great job on Garnet. <laughs> it's nice and paved now and after they ripped it up. But gosh, Ingram and down by uh, – 
West Point level. I guess they're going they're going in, in sections, but but the point being. Um, you know, infrastructure is an important thing. R- roads, bridges, airports, all these things uh, are pretty important. Uh, what I think happens is no one wants to make the current president the hero. I mean, didn't President Obama have his economic stimulus package and, and ready sh- shovel-ready things and, you know, whatever happened with that? I don't know. Well, I, I guess yeah, some good came of it. That's history. But let, let's talk, you guys want to talk about bubbles? Sure. I like bubbles. Well, Paul, Paul sent some nice notes here. He's starting yeah. with the tulip bulb mania, 1630s. And, um, is, is, that, is, that, is that like Bitcoin? <laughs> well, well, you're jumping ahead. It may ahead. have been the Bitcoin of, the, of that age. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, there have been quite a few bubbles in history. So it started with the tulip bulb mania of the 1630s. In the Netherlands, right? In the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there, was, there were two bubbles. One happened in France, one in England. One, the one in France was called the Mississippi mm-hmm. bubble. The one in England was called the South Seas bubble. They're all based on companies that were given charters to do business with the New World, mm-hmm. and, and they were selling shares in their stock, and the, and the shares went crazy, and then all of a sudden they collapsed, and the companies collapsed, and everybody who invested in them went broke. Oh, that's right, in the New World being here, right? Right, right. we were the New yeah. World. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. They were sell- selling shares of stock, and they're supposed to have all this this um, commerce going on here. And, and, right, and, and they were given it, exclusive contracts. Well, a lot of, there was a lot of fraud involved. A lot right? of fraud. <laughs> <laughs> And then in the 1920s, before the Great Depression, there was the, it was called the Roaring Twenties, and stock prices were driven up dramatically. Um, a lot of people were using margin debt, which means they're borrowing money to buy shares. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you could margin up to 90% of the cost of the stock. Hmm. Sounds like derivatives. Which, which means if it drops 20%, you're already in the hole. Right. Sounds yeah. like derivatives, yeah. the D word. Yeah. Anyway. The Roaring Twenties, that's where it all started, Joe. <laughs> Here we are 100 years later. <laughs> We and haven't learned much, have we? <laughs> in the 1980s and 90s, the Japanese stock market went through its own bubble. Mm-hmm. Now, what was that all about? Was... Well, I, th- I think it was based, it started with fundamentally good things. The mm-hmm. economy in Japan was doing great. The businesses were doing well, but then it got overcooked. The Nikkei went skyrocketed. Does that mean that these the multiples are getting too high or the price earning ratio and... and um... It gets an over, you get an overheated market. You get basically. an overheated market, and then it goes then, the other way. Then a big sell-off. And they had 10 years of down markets after that. Hmm. Okay. And everybody remembers probably the 1990s, the late 90s tech bubble mm-hmm. in the United States. Yep. Oh, yeah, dot-com boom. Dot yeah, com com bu- companies with no revenue were selling for huge multiples. <laughs> Enron, 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 right? And, and, and all, of, all of its sisters and cousins. <laughs> right. And then another bubble that probably hits pretty close to home, no pun intended, the uh, U.S. housing bubble, yeah, 2002 to 2005. So a lot of things are fueled by government policy or lack thereof, um, right? And and uh, you get crowdfunding basically going on in certain industries, and uh, and then of course it'll blow up at some point. Which look what happened to Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. I mean, they, well, well, Paul, what, what do you say to a client when they say, "Oh, I heard investing in Bitcoin, you can make tons of money. Should I go buy some?" What do you say to that person? Well, what I tell them is that. Bitcoin is a currency, mm-hmm. and you have a currency in your pocket. Most people have currency in their pocket. Right. What kind of investment return are you expected on the currency in your, in your pocket? I don't get any. Most people don't. Right. So the expected return on currency is zero. Right. Well, I so mean, the, I mean, in the global scope of things, I mean, currencies have different values. You know, Deutsche Mark, obviously, rubles, things like right, that. Right, but on the currency itself, he's saying. Right. right. You don't get any yeah. return on the currency itself. Right. right. Um, just holding it in your pocket, right. right? So why would you get any on Bitcoin or yeah? I get the conflict- Ethereum or anything else. 
Yeah, so I have these friends telling me, well, it's not really a currency. I said, well, then why do they call it that? It so, is a currency yeah. because it's used to exchange value. Anything that is it's, used to exchange value exactly. is a currency. Right. So and, anything with an expected return of zero should not have a real return to investors. So, no, so not it's only, all speculative. And it's so crazy because, you know, there, was a, I see, there is a vending machine in one of the Lestats, Richard, believe it or not, mm-hmm. and the uh, – the value on that was like ten thousand, and then I go online and I look at the value, and it's like eight thousand. You know, at the same time, I go something's wrong here. So, uh, but, but anyway. Um, so, have you had any clients buy Bitcoin? Not that I know of. Okay, they wouldn't tell you. <laughs> they probably wouldn't. <laughs> well, the good old the, the good old advice is don't invest more than you can afford to lose, right? I mean, uh, if you well, think, I wouldn't call that investing. I'd call that speculating. Yeah, yeah speculating. It's more, it's closer to Las Vegas. Because again, any asset that has zero return. Well, doesn't a lot inherently. of that, doesn't a lot of that happen on Wall Street though, Paul? I mean, look at the volatility. People are gambling on whether you know, on the volatility of the market itself. I mean, isn't, that's pure gambling, isn't it? it? There are Wall Street will sell whatever people want to buy, and people to do tend to have. Um, Greed. Greed is a, yeah. is a very strong emotion. And you know what floored me? We, we, had, we had David Enrich on here a few weeks ago, the <laughs> finance editor from the uh, New York Times, and he said there are some traders that love wild fluctuations. Mm-hmm. I, mean, uh, <laughs> I don't have a stomach for that, but <clears throat> apparently people uh, just, I mean, that's in their blood that they, uh, it's an adrenaline rush, I guess, for a lot yeah, of people. Gamblers. Um, so, so, Paul, in the market, so to speak, crashed here a week or so ago. Did you have clients calling you up in a panic? And if so, what, what did you tell them? Well, surprisingly, nobody called. Well, that's because they're so well-trained <laughs> by you. We did communicate with everybody. What we told them is that this is not unusual. The media was making it sound like it was unusual because it was 1,000 points. Mm-hmm. And I converted that to percent, right. and it's not unusual. What was unusual was the lack of volatility that we had last year. Right. And that volatility is normal. And, and I think when people heard that, they just said, oh, yeah, uh, that makes sense. Well, sure. And then, of course, you give them the, the historic perspective about what the market was at, you know, even even five, seven years ago. It's, it's so much higher now. So it, right. it, it really is, I guess, overheated. Now, inflation, Richard, is is that a good thing for people on fixed incomes? In other words, are are, are, are their investments going to go? Uh, I mean, they're fixed. They're well, fixed well Paul could comment, but there's a challenge. You know, going back in time, 20, 30, 40 years ago, if you were retired, you could actually get income on deposits. Mm-hmm. A lot of people lived on that. And now, and now you can't. CDs, right? And now you can't. So it's become, and Paul, you can comment, it's much, much more difficult for retired people to get yield, right? Yes, it is. And a lot of money from those savers and investors has been going into the bond market. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, chasing yield and perhaps going into higher risk investments than they would normally invest in. And that probably won't end very well either. Right. Because when you increase your risk, well... If things don't go the way you want to, you lose principal. But those CDs are regular in, in, in large banking institutions. You don't think they're ever going to get back to 5%, Richard? I don't know. I, I mean, I'm sure at some point in the next 100 years they will. Um, so that, my, that would mean inflation has ticked up quite a bit. Right. So if the and not in the short term. Interest certainly. rates are up to maybe one and a half to 2% mm-hmm. now. So it's at least better than zero. Right. It's mm. better than zero. Gotcha. But, gotcha. you know, I, I, when I started in the business in the early 80s, you could do a CD at 14%. Really? Because of hyperinflation. Well, yeah. Well, mortgages were also 18 to 20%. Right, exactly. But you were paying it out on the other side. Yeah. Right. Well, I remember that. That was right after we were lighting up to get gas at the. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The good old days. So. Yeah, but, it, but it's tough for anybody on a fixed income. Yeah. Anyway, we're coming up on another break, though, Richard. We'll be back with Paul Hines, Senior Safe and Sound and Hearthstone Management, right after this. Hang on. Hang on. 
right, we're back with the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life, and this is the time where Richard likes to thank our sponsors. Big thank you to our sponsors. Couldn't do this show without them. At the top of the list, we have a bunch of CPAs and tax preparers. Signature Analytics, recent guest Jason Kruger, great CFO service company, more traditional CPAs. Polito Epic CPAs up in San Marcos, Don Epic and Paul Polito. And then for those of you who just want really inexpensive, paperless, app-based income tax return preparation, we also now have Happy Tax, happytax.com, where you talk about simplifying what used to be a miserable process of getting income tax returns done, happytax.com. Also, our great friend, and he's suffering like me because he's an Aztecs college basketball fan, Joel Grushkin with Cost Segregation Initiatives, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow again, cost segregation initiatives. Our guest tonight, Paul Hines, CEO of Hearthstone Private Wealth Management, and of course the catalyst behind SeniorSafeAndSound.org here in San Diego, helping to prevent financial abuse of the elderly. Also, BFO Hub, helping wealth advisors make heroes out of CPAs to the CPA's very best clients. Elite Lifestyle Management, Michelle St. Clair. For those of you who have no time, Elite Lifestyle Management will help you get your most precious asset back. That's your time from helping you with simple things like travel arrangements to the more complex, like getting the hottest Hollywood premiere ticket in town last September with Battle of the Sexes. Elite Lifestyle Management will take care of those things for you when you have no time. And Joe, people are getting hungry. They don't even eat dinner. They love us so much. We have a new food sponsor. My niece, Melissa, recently acquired Solana Beach Coffee Company. Great little place on Coast Highway between Via de la Valle and Loma Santa Fe, right at the beach in the Beachwalk Center. Solana Beach Coffee Company and longer-term sponsors like... Well, there's the Very Good Food Foundation headed up by Michelle Ciccarelli Lirac. They do great foodie events throughout the year and great broadcasting uh, regarding programs involving sustainability, etc. And also the Stats Coffee Houses... Um, been around since I think the late nineties, right? And, and uh, they have a Bitcoin machine, <laughs> and, and yeah, and the one on University, and then they also have Adams Avenue, Normal Heights, and, and University Heights, all open twenty four seven, three sixty five. Great coffee, great food, great people watching, and uh, I know a lot of these sponsors have been working with you, Richard, for many many years with great success. Right? Yes, we now quantify it in decades, <laughs> like three of them in a couple of cases. Right. Oh, and of course, if you get over to iymoney.com, there's a sponsor tab across the top of the page. And you can learn about any or all of our sponsors. They can help you out with your business, with your life in, in any capacity. And, and co- you can learn how to become a sponsor yeah. of our award-winning show and be up on our award-winning website. Yeah, Col- the- Courtney Holtz with PopX Graphics does such a great job on Yeah, it. the media kit's really cool. Went through several iterations. A lot of great photos in there. Uh, Deborah Zake and, and uh, a lot of, uh, you know, v- we've had so many VIP guests on the show. It's, uh, it's mind-boggling, Richard. It is. <laughs> My mind is boggled. <laughs> And we have a VIP in studio with us right now. We're going to get back to Paul Hines with uh, Hearthstone, Hearthstone, Private, Hearthstone Wealth, Private, Wealth Private Wealth Management. And um, Paul sent over some other notes uh, talking about, um, oh, looking back, real or fad, like 95 Amazon. But, you know, yeah. what's going to, who's going to buy books online? <laughs> <laughs> right. Just think, think about it in the moment. It's easier looking back at it than when you're in the moment. So mm-hmm. 1995Amazon.com came on the scene, started selling books online, and that who knew what it was going to become? Mm-hmm. And some people probably thought that was a fad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it wasn't. In 2006, MySpace was the big, the big talk, and that was the web, website of the year. And Time Magazine, Time right. Magazine. Now MySpace doesn't even exist. Yeah. 
Can I buy Time Magazine on Amazon.com? I'm just you kidding. Can. <laughs> you can. You, probably, you can buy anything on Amazon. I know. Much, yeah. And then the introduction of the iPhone in 2007. Right. Obviously, Apple had a string of really big successes before that with the iPod. But who thought that you'd want to have all those things in your pocket? Yeah. A music player, a computer. An internet device. I mean, they, internet device. they pretty much put desktop computers out of business, right? I mean, uh, very few people have those anymore. Exactly. Except at work, maybe, or whatnot. Nobody but, has an office anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need one. Yeah, they're all at Lestat's. Or <laughs> That's where you are. And then there were a few companies that didn't do as well as Amazon and Apple. Like, who, who can remember the Palm Pilot? I do. Oh, yeah. yeah. Netscape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. AOL. It seemed like it was on top of the world. Well, the internet the, world. Well, the Time Warner thing, ba-boom. Blackberry mm-hmm. and DeLorean motor car. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny Carson. One of those in there. I saw Johnny Carson drive one of those. When you? I was up at the yeah. studio, he had his DeLorean. He had a DeLorean. <laughs> <laughs> aluminum, brushed aluminum. Right. Anyway, it was a great concept. It was supposed to be a car that wouldn't age, right? Rust-proof and everything. And It was a great concept. Of course, it failed we, miserably. Of course, now we have electric cars, and uh, we're getting back to those. 20 years from now. I don't think there'll be gas-powered cars. But, but Paul, I, I, to, your, to your point about companies uh, evolving, I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but around 1900, we had more electric cars on the road than gas. We had about 37 electric cars. And if you want to know more to see uh, who killed the electric car, isn't that something? Boy, there's yeah, some trivia. There were 37 of them? 37,000. 37,000. Oh, 37, okay. Yeah. And uh, Rudolf Diesel actually wanted to run cars on peanut oil, and, of course, he uh, went overboard on the English Channel, and we never that didn't, that didn't go anywhere. So, <laughs> Boy, there's been a lot of talk about people disappearing into water on this show. <laughs> I shouldn't joke, but what's going on here? I don't know. but uh, So, Paul, here's a loaded question. Um, are you concerned about deregulation on Wall Street? And if so, why? Deregulation on Wall Street, I actually, I think it's going the other way. It the is trend, going the other way. It is going yeah. the other way. So there's more and more regulation on Wall Street. Right. But, but I mean, there's pressure to deregulate, uh, pre- even though it is going the other way. Yeah, I think I would be concerned about more deregulation. I think that um, investors need protection. Right. Uh, yeah. So this word, I'm getting to this word called fiduciary. Can right. You, can you explain this word? Because, yeah. because I think it's a really important word, and a lot of people simply don't understand it. Well, right. it didn't used to have a, a very high standard uh, in the well, in let legal wise. It still, it still means it has a really high thing, standard, very high standard. And what people don't understand is that um, in the world of financial advisors, most financial advisors are really stockbrokers, mm-hmm. and they aren't subject to the fiduciary standard of care. They're subject to a standard of care called suitability, which means it just has to be good enough. Um, whereas investment advisors like Hearthstone Private Wealth Management are subject to the fiduciary standard of care. It's the highest legal uh, definition of standard of care in, in any any form, in mm-hmm. any industry, um, because we don't sell products. We're not affiliated with a brokerage firm. We don't receive commissions. We're held to that higher standard of care, and we can be objective with our clients. And the crux of it is you put your client's interest before yours, right? Exactly. Or, the client and, interest comes first, no. and, and you have to be very careful about doing due diligence on your investment advice, and it's it's the way we are. And it's we the way we are that. as people. It's the way we want to act all the time, and I think yeah. clients deserve that, and they enjoy that kind of service. And, of course, uh, you know, the last economic collapse we in the housing bubble, uh, and, and you saw some of the testimony in, in, in Washington. Uh, some of the banks were not <laughs> – not uh, acting in the client's best interest. They were betting on both sides of uh, transactions, right? Exactly right. And they were selling products that they knew were worthless. Yeah, yeah. 
I think just uh, to get them off their balance sheet. I think Senator Carlevin <laughs> had a worse word. <laughs> they were selling products that they marked up, so they had a built-in profit. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And getting back to that old saying, Wall Street will sell you whatever you want to buy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or even create something and, and, and push it you know, exactly. into markets. So, yeah. so the consumer, what designation should they, look, should they look for in a wealth advisor? For example, what are your designations? I have a designation called Certified Financial Planner Practitioner, CFP. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one is geared towards financial planning. It's geared towards providing advice. It's uh, a very rigorous credential to get. It's also rigorous to maintain. It requires a lot of continuing education hours. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's also, I think, widely known amongst the, the uh, public mm-hmm. as, a, as a credential that has meaning. Right. So that would be one I would look for. So when a consumer is shopping around for an investment advisor, they should actually ask you know, do you have this credential or whatever? Or get a hold of Paul and he'll... he'll and uh, ask them, are yeah. you a fiduciary? Do you act as a fiduciary or, or not? Mm. And, it, and in some cases, some stockbrokers will have a product on the shelf that has fiduciary mm-hmm. standards in it, but they offer it as a product, not as a way of life. Right. Mm. So as advisors, that's the way we are all the time. Mm. We're all, all fiduciary all the time. Yeah, it's a great, great tagline. Terrific. Yeah. And, and you're up in the Delmar Heights area, right, Paul? Your office, Carmel Valley on High Bluff Drive. And your okay. website is or Hearth- hearthstoneinc.com. There you go. And of course, you can always go to IY Money, and it's there too. Lots of cool right. stuff up and there. Mm-hmm. Hearthstone has the word heart in it, so we put our heart into everything we mm-hmm. do. Anyway, we're going to come up on our, our break in a little, in a few seconds, but we'll get in. You have some other uh, investment feds, day trading. We'll talk about smart beta ETFs and things Green like acres. that. Yes, we'll be back with Paul Hines right after this. Hang on. All right, we are back with Paul Hines, Hearthstone Private Wealth Management and Senior Safe and Sound. And I know Richard wanted to get into some of these other... Current investment facts. Yeah, day trading. And what can you tell us about that, Paul? Because some people probably want to try it. Right. Obviously, we're looking at it in in real time, so we don't know for sure if these are fads, but Mm -hmm. these appear to be fads to me. So, for example, day trading. Mm -hmm. When markets are doing well, it's easy to make money, and some people are speculating in short-term trading with their hard-earned money, and I think that's possibly uh, not going to end well for them. Another one that's talked about, at least in the industry, is called smart beta. Now, beta means that you're just getting what the market offers anyway. Mm -hmm. So what is smart beta? I think it's just a way to try to charge higher fees (laughs) on what the market's going to do anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. But you're going to pretend to be smart. You have to pretend to be smart, and people like to to buy smart, I guess. Active exchange-traded funds. So exchange-traded funds originally came out. They were passive investments. They were based on an index. Now there are a slew of actively managed exchange-traded funds. Again, I think it's trying to charge higher fees uh, for what you can get from the market anyway. And then there are the dreaded 3X funds. So they take whatever the market's doing and multiply times three. Mm-hmm. You, can oh. have, you can have a 3X on the plus side or a 3X on the downside. So you could bet that oil, for example, is going to drop, and if it goes down $1, you get the effect of it dropping $3. Yeah, but it, that that is so stupid because it just increases volatility, and, and every time you lose, you have to make more coming back just to get exactly. to ground zero. The, the math of losses, people often forget right. the math of losses. If you're down 25%, you have to go up 33% to break even. Right, exactly. Down 50%, you have to go up 100% to break even. That's right. the problem. A lot of these pension funds are doubling down, you know, on uh, risky things and 
Anyway. Yeah, I mean, the math is just so... that Anybody would do a 3X fund is just stupid. I'm sorry. And then there are these... Kramer was probably selling them on TV. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then there are the inverse funds. So the, the one that's most noted recently, there's a, a volatility index called the VIX index. So mm-hmm. a fund came out that was the opposite of that. So it was low volatility would be your, would be your friend. Right. Called the XIV, which is VIX spelled backwards. <laughs> And that particular one with the recent volatility went down 90% in one day. Hmm. That is backwards. <laughs> They're going backwards. That's definitely heading, going backwards. So wow. Wow, wow, The question wow. is, and Richard talked about it earlier, what about Bitcoin and other crypt- cryptocurrencies? Is that really a fad? Is that a mania? Is that a bubble? And it, it did appear to be a bubble mm-hmm. for me, and it certainly has a lot of the air has come out of that bubble. Well, and, huge volatility, again, on an asset that doesn't have any yield. And as the, the point I brought up when we had uh, the show on cryptocurrency, uh, you, you know, if you get defrauded with a with a cash transaction, you can try to go to court at least and recover something. With cryptocurrency, I don't think you you can't even get to court with this. Is that correct? That's why the those currencies are used in in uh, For illegal transactions. Illegal transactions. Yeah. they're untraceable and yeah. Uh, but I think there are some real trends in the market today. For example, the trend to lean towards indexing versus active investing. Mm-hmm. There is a war on fees. So that drives fees down. And, of course, the lower the fee, the higher the return. John Bogle is a big champion. And, and the war on fees is just due in part to what? Technology? Technology. Uh, I think. Consumerism. Consumerism. Yeah. The availability of, of information. Of information, yeah. for sure. You know, this John Bogle, I've been trying to get him. He's, he's uh, up there in years now, about 88, but he's, he's with the Vanguard Fund, $4 trillion fund. And um, uh, he's, people, he said people laugh at me because he's only worth $100 million or so. But, right. But, you know, with $4 trillion bucks, you would think he could have made, you know, taken a lot more. But uh, he was all about the consumer and, and low fees. And, and Warren Buffett said uh, if there's ever a statue erected to anybody uh, for the field of investment, it should be to John Bogle. Absolutely. Bogle, right? And the Vanguard Fund's... That company is owned by the shareholders in the funds. Mm-hmm. Ooh, didn't know that. Like the Green Bay Packers, right? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> um, and then there are some other things I don't think are fads. They're real trends. Academic research-based factors like the market factor, the value factor, and the size factor. So what that basically means is invest in the market versus not investing in the market. You should have a higher return. Mm-hmm. Investing in value stocks versus growth stocks should have a higher return in value. And investing in smaller company stocks versus large company stocks mm-hmm. should have a higher return. And that's it, all academic research-based. Are there any San Diego County publicly traded firms that you really love, Paul? I, I really love this radio show. <laughs> <laughs> and I love sponsoring and I love being on it. Okay. <laughs> Richard, do you have a comment on that? Uh, any, I love the radio show, too. Okay. <laughs> and I appreciate Paul's sponsorship very, very well, much. Well, then we should have an IPO with IY Money, right? No, you, I just want my own, how about my your, own cryptocurrency. How about your cryptocurrency. I want the IY Money coin. cryptocurrency. <laughs> IY Money coin, you said. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, what about these robo-advisors, Paul? Yeah, so that's something that I'm not sure if that's a fad or or a real trend or not. So robo-advisors, it's automated investing, and it's available strictly over the Internet. There's no human involvement, so you don't get an advisor. It's access to broadly diversified portfolios at a low cost. Mm. Um, they call them robo-advisors because they do, don't have any human interaction. And so what happened is during that, the recent volatility, the investors in these robo-advised funds found that they couldn't get through. Mm-hmm. The, the websites crashed. Right. The phones weren't 
And where are they based? Macedonia or Kazakhstan or someplace? No, they're domestic. They're Silicon Valley based. Right. Uh, So it's all technology. uh, And and they get a lot of venture capital money behind them. mm. Um, But it remains to be seen whether that's a fad or a real trend. Well, do do you think younger investors don't really care about human interaction? Or or do you think maybe after doing some robo? There's probably always some segment of the market that feels that they don't need or want Mm -hmm. that human advice. They want to pay less. Uh, typically, with a human involved, you have to pay a little bit more. Sure. So they want a lower cost access to investing. Uh, it remains to be seen whether that's a fad or a real trend. Well, I think we should raise $20 million, take a new car, and launch it into space and put it around Mars. What do you think of that? I mean, okay, Joe. <laughs> just ramble on. <laughs> people are doing So, this. Paul, um, are, are young people coming into your profession? I'm curious. You know, they are. Um, but not in enough numbers. Okay. So there's a shortage of, of financial advisors. And women. I mean, are women getting into this? Because they're getting into everything else. I mean, uh, you're seeing more and more companies and nonprofits. Because the CPA profession has the same challenge, I think, as Absolutely. the wealth advisory profession. Yeah, I, I just recently added two more people to our company. Mm, good, congratulations. Both, both women. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we now have four women and myself in the company. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think that's a great recipe for good, sound financial advice. I think, didn't we have the discussion way in the back? I mean, the, the, the women mentality about investing is, can be a little different than, than men, and it, and it probably is a good... You're probably, careful with the stereotype. No, no, I'm just, <laughs> we talked about this in, in, uh, with some trading firms, and um, um, they have, a, you know, I think they have a more of a long-term approach. I was, uh, I was looking for smart, talented people. They yeah. just happen to be women. Yeah. yeah, perfect, perfect. Yeah, well, if you watch that movie Wall Street, you know, it was all about guys competing with each other. They could yeah. give too, a hoot about the consumer. Too much right. testosterone, right. Uh, you get an overheated market. You know how yeah. that goes. Now, Paul, Senior Safe and Sound, uh, have you been doing any lecturing on that? Because yeah, thanks, Joe. Mm-hmm. Thanks for asking. Mm-hmm. So seniorsafeandsound.org is a website. It's a, it's a blog. There's a lot of great information in there, great videos mm-hmm. how to protect yourself from scams, mm-hmm. fraud, phonies. Um, I'm trying to get the word out there so people yeah. can really protect themselves at the point of attack. I, yeah, I got a call um, last week, and I meant to save it, but I didn't, where the IRS called me to say they're suing me. Now, of course, it wasn't the IRS calling me, but because it's tax season, mm-hmm. consumers really need to be aware of phone calls from organizations yeah. and that say seniors. they're IRS, and, and seniors. seniors in particular. Have got- the IRS isn't allowed to call you. They can only correspond initially by mail. So if you get one of those calls, it is a scam. Hang you, up immediately. Or absolutely. Don't or call back. Or if you get any of those automated scams and it's just a recorded voice. And, uh, you know, I got one today. Uh, I don't even know how they got my cell phone number because I'm very judicious about giving that out. But, uh, boy, you got to I gave it to them, get, They have to be careful. But- <laughs> hey, you know, um, Mitch Costanza used to um, – lecture and speak on behalf of the DA's office mm-hmm. uh, about about um, uh, elder abuse um, and, um, you know, fraud fraud along these lines. So maybe uh, maybe you can do that again. She yeah. passed away. So, so I'm going to talk to if the— If you go to seniorsafeandsound.org, it's mm-hmm. all spe- spelled out. There's a video of Paul Greenwood. Mm-hmm. He gave his presentation on 10 tips to protect yourself, mm. and he does a wonderful job of communicating. He has a lot of experience. He's in the DA's office, and he prosecutes— people who abuse the elderly yeah it's an important thing and uh you know a lot of you get these uh, contractors coming up to seniors homes and and uh promising to do work and or whatever never ever ever give anybody your social security number over the phone or, or by email or your, and your date of birth right to those two ever anyway paul hines paul really appreciate great it. to be here guys yeah, so i love this radio show thank you thank you so much for supporting us richard great seeing you justin harder board operating thanks for making sound terrific thanks to craig blanking and Dave sniff here at kfmb for all their help all these podcasts are commercial free on iymoney.com we'll see you next time bye-bye